Lamelo Ball is out with a fractured ankle. Tennessee lost their best basketball player to torn ACL. Alabama has a new linebackers coach, but they're also brought back a familiar face. Should GMs really be nervous about Bryce Young's height? Georgia just can't stay out of the news. Alabama basketball is the SEC champions. And can the Memphis Grizzlies grow up? We've got all this and more on this Friday episode of Jake's Take. Let's go. What is going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to Jake's Take. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Sermon, at Jake's Take Podcast, at Jake's Still 14. Joining me later on is my co-host, Christy, and you can find her on Instagram and TikTok, at Christy Marie underscore double zero. And as always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network, at Variety underscore sport underscore. You're home for all sports, different forms, and variety. Stay tuned for the end while we highlight some new coupon codes and such, but... Moving on back to our first point in regards to LaMelo Ball. Yeah, you know, in that win against the Detroit Pistons, LaMelo Ball actually fractured his ankle. And at first, you know, they didn't think it was any serious. You know, he kind of rolled on it. And no one really knew the severity of it until towards the end when they came into the locker room at the end of the game. And the athletic training staff had said, it is a fractured ankle. And that's really hard because this team was in the middle of their win streak. Now, ultimately, that win streak has ended after their loss to the Phoenix Suns. But this was a very big loss for a team that was just trying to figure it out. You know, we've talked a lot about Charlotte as a city, Charlotte as a basketball team, the Carolina Panthers, and how they're always just trying to figure it out right now. And I feel like the Hornets were on the verge of figuring it out. I know that people were saying, well, they weren't going to, you know, make the playoffs. And I understand that. But they can still win games. I mean, they're up to 20 wins. I don't think they're going to try and tank for Victor Wimbanyama anymore. But still, I mean, anything could happen. But still, you know, they were trending upward, which is good. But right now, I mean, they still have a lot of season left. Now, the thing with this team is that they've been fighting injuries, which is hard. You know, injuries happen to the best teams. You know, it's happened to the Pels. It's happened to the Bucks. It's happened to the Boston Celtics. So it's going to happen, but I definitely, you know, feel bad for this team because like I said, they, you know, they were figuring it out and it can really, you know, be beneficial to their team success moving forward. Now, who can step up in this absence? Well, really so many other people can step up. I mean, Terry Rogier, Gordon Hayward, Mark Williams, you've got a lot of young players who can step up for this team. So I think anything is really possible, but the loss of Lamelo is hard because, you know, he was an all-star. I believe he was Rookie of the Year. So having him go down, especially in March when you have a lot of basketball left, is definitely hard. So, you know, we want to think about the Charlotte Hornets at this time. And we also want to think about the Ball family as well because right now Lonzo is also out hurt too. And that doesn't really necessarily make things much better for the family. So we definitely are thinking of them at this time. Now, in regards to the city of Charlotte, can they improve their culture from the focus with these teams? Well, actually, yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, we've highlighted Charlotte a lot. And I feel like the Charlotte city is a great city, but they just have some teams that don't know which direction they're going into. Now, Steve Clifford is trying to figure that out right now, which is a lot easier said than done. They just hired Frank Reich for the Carolina Panthers. So I could see that there could be a difference made. But right now, it's still very early. But I would like to see some culture focus on the city of Charlotte because they have a great culture. 
But right now, I feel like that just hasn't really made the focus back to their teams, and that's what makes things a lot harder. I think the Hornets can still improve on this. You know, they can still work together as a team. But really with this, you know, I am kind of concerned. You know, you lose your best player, and sometimes it's harder to get back to that. You know, think about how the Pelicans were doing without B.I. or without Zion. You know, it's hard. So kind of something to keep your eyes out and peeled for. Moving on to another best player being lost. Sadly, Tennessee lost their best player to injury. Now, Zakai Ziegler got hurt in the Tennessee win against Arkansas. It was within the first few minutes. He landed awkwardly, and it turned out that he had torn his ACL. Now, this is a big loss for the Tennessee team. That actually was the only team to hand Alabama their loss in SEC play. Now, this is a pretty good Tennessee team. You know, right now they have a lot of potential and they only have really one game left against Auburn this coming Saturday. But still, it's, you know, a big loss, especially because this is probably one of their best players. Now, he wasn't the one who led the team in points, but he was the player who led the team in assists. And that's something you can't really measure. Now, Zakai Ziegler averaged 10.7 points a game, five assists, close to three rebounds. These are all terrific numbers, and he's only a sophomore. But the harder thing to measure here is that this is a team that is 11 and 6, and right now, you know, they are a team that is expected to make a run, but can they make that run without Zakai Ziegler in March? And that's what's going to be hard, especially as we have March Madness, but before that we have the SEC tournament. Now, this is, like we said, a very big loss for the Sensi team, but I think what's harder for this team is that they just went through something like this for the football team. You know, think about this. You know, Tennessee fans just went through a huge loss with Hendon Hooker tearing his ACL just a few months ago. I know we talk about how, you know, Tennessee's done great in sports this past year, but they've lost two very big players and their respective biggest player for their program in the span of a few months to an injury, which is the same injury. So I think with this, you know, I don't know if this is just something where we're saying that, you know, Tennessee might not be ready for it or just injuries suck. I feel like this is more of an injury suck scenario, which, you know, definitely does kind of suck for sure. But really with this, I think my biggest takeaway has to be that injuries suck and they're just kind of unlucky. You know, they can still persevere. They can still, you know, do fine. You know, injuries happen in these sports. But really, it comes down to what this Tennessee team can do without Zakai Ziegler. You know, you still have a lot of your great players, so I'm not too, too worried. You know, you still have Vescovi, you still have Nakuma, you have James Phillips. You know, you have players who are averaging 10 or more points. And I feel like with this, you know, Key will step up for sure here. Vescovi, who's also a guard, is going to step up. So you have depth. But also, I mean, we just kind of have to see. I think right now, you know, we do want to send our condolences to this Tennessee team. But also right now, you know, this is something where they need to figure it out now, too. It sucks that it happened right now in March rather than, you know, earlier in the year. But still, I mean, even with this, you know, he'll still be around and he'll still be an emotional support leader for this Tennessee basketball team. 
Now, also in regards to basketball in the state of Tennessee, and if you think you know where we're going, you would be exactly right because it's going to be the focus on the Memphis Grizzlies again. And I don't think there's any other team in the NBA who's gotten more criticism than the Memphis Grizzlies. But here's the thing. They do it to themselves. Now, I know what you're thinking, but Jacob, you love the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, you talk about them all the time. And are they coming to find a way to be talked about more than the Charlotte Hornets on your show? Well, yes. At this rate, with the amount of scrutiny this Memphis Grizzlies team is getting, they're going to be a mainstay on the show. You want to know why? Because John Moran is trying to act like someone he's not. Because apparently right now, Jaw has now been convicted of punching someone and threatening them with a gun. Which, what? Now the reason this concerns me is because this is a Memphis Grizzlies team that is very talented. They can make a big impact and go to the playoffs. I mean, they did terrific last year. They've done great recently. But they have an attitude problem, and the NBA isn't doing anything about this. You know, John Moran punching someone multiple times? This kid was 17. How did John not get in trouble? And then he threatened him with a gun, and apparently Jaw's saying that it all started because this person said it first, and it was back and forth. Jaw, you are 23 years old. You shouldn't be trying to pick fights with 17-year-olds. Who are you trying to impress? That's the other thing, too. With this Memphis Grizzlies team, you have players who are not acting like leaders and not acting like the players they should be. They're acting like kids. And I don't know what should be done about this. I don't know if Taylor Jenkins needs to, you know, find a way to, I don't know, suspend his players or, you know, focus on them. Because right now, the Memphis Grizzlies are going from a team that everyone loved to watch and support to now more people just being annoyed from. Because think about this, this is coming a month after that report of John Morant's friends flashing a laser pointer in the eyes of Indiana Pacers personnel. It's happening after Dylan Brooks gets in a fight with Donovan Mitchell, and Dylan Brooks also finds a way to get in a fight with Shannon Sharp. So really, I mean, John and Dylan Brooks are finding a way to, you know, annoy everyone, and they don't have anything to show with it. Remember, this was a team that found a way to lose 10 games after this. So they're not really backing things up at the moment. And I think with this team, they're still so focused on trying to have a certain image. And it's not looking good. So I don't know what this team can really do. Because at this moment, they just are not looking good. I mean, in February... They lost to the Trailblazers. They lost to the Cavs, the Raptors. They lost to the Celtics. And then they lost to the 76ers. But really with this, it was just not looking good for this team. Now, I know right now that this Memphis Grizzlies team is still number two in the West. But remember, John made everything worse after he said, nah, I'm fine in the West. And then KD got traded into the West. And Kyrie got traded into the West. And D'Angelo Russell got traded into the West. So you're seeing what I'm getting at? Right now, this Memphis Grizzlies team needs a wake-up call. Because at this moment, they don't have it together. There hasn't been any discipline on this team. They're starting to leave a sour taste in some mouths. And we said it before, will their demeanor catch up to them? At this moment, I think it will. I think right now, this Memphis Grizzlies team 
needs to find a way to, you know, be better and find a way to improve because on the court, they're linking up well. They have great chemistry, but off the court, they're getting in so much trouble. And that's what's going to cause all this concern and all this trouble for these teams as things go on later on throughout the season as we get to the playoffs. And back from her long-awaited absence, it is time for Christie's Corner on this beautiful Friday. Everyone, Pop Squad, join in as she breaks down some important news such as Jalen Carter's arrest, why GMs might need to avoid Bryce Young, and really what the heck is going on with a lot of these releases that we're seeing in the NFL. The floor is yours, Christy. Hello, I'm back, and I'm back for another episode of Christy's Corner. And I have like a half you heard it here first, so let me explain. So in the last Christie's Corner, I explained how Alabama's brand new linebacker coach was leaving to go to another team to be a defensive coordinator, which I don't blame him. And I made some predictions on who we would see in that spot. And my one prediction was Charlie Strong. It did not come true, but I'll get back to that. So we do have a new linebacker coach, and he's actually from Liberty. This is Robert Bala. He's kind of always been a linebacker coach. I think he tried some other things early on in his career, but he's really been consistent in that linebacker coach position. And I think I like this higher. I like to have someone who has the experience with one positions coach and can bring that consistency. And he has a lot of talent to work with. And I really think our coaching staff is going to be really strong this season. So I don't mind this hire. I have nothing against him. So hopefully he can prove me right. Now back to Charlie Strong. So although he was not hired on as our linebacker coach, he is coming back. He's coming back as our defensive analyst. Now, this is not a new position for him, especially in Alabama. He was our defensive analyst in 2020, which if you're a fan of our podcast, you'll know that's my favorite all-time Alabama team. I love those guys so much. So this hire makes me so happy out of all of our new hires lately. And I think Nick is looking to the future with this hire. I think he wants Charlie Strong to eventually make his way to the defensive coordinator position. So that makes me really excited. But Charlie Strong coached for Texas, Louisville. He was the co-defensive coordinator and linebacker coach with Miami. And he was kind of outed there. He wasn't given the defensive coordinator position and kind of left bad taste in his mouth. So I think he was really ready for this move. Now on to some players who are moving around. We actually have one that kind of surprised me. Um, The Buccaneers are releasing Leonard Fournette. Now as I looked more into this story it seems that Leonard is the one that asked for the release and that doesn't surprise me so much. You know I think he came to this team mostly to play with Tom Brady. I mean, I'm not sure why you wouldn't want that opportunity. And obviously, Tom Brady is retired. He's not going to be with the Bucks anymore. So I think Leonard Fournette is ready for that move. But I mean, he did help the Bucks get to the Super Bowl. And 
I could see him with a few teams. I would really like him with Jalen. I think they could make a pretty dynamic duo, but I could also see D'Amico Ryans vying for him and wanting to coach with that amount of talent. So we'll see where he lands. We also have a lot of quarterbacks to talk about. So first we'll start with Derek Carr. Derek Carr has kind of been bouncing around between two teams and that hasn't changed. So the Jets coach actually just spoke on him and he was speaking really highly of Derek's ability to signal call and he just was really touting on his football IQ. So I feel like he sees all that and thinks he can mold him and work with him and bring all that out of him. And they did talk at the Combine Wednesday along with the general manager. And he's still talking with the Saints. I think the Saints still want him too. So it's really going to be a matter of who has the better trades. I mean, who's going to pay him more? Obviously, it's a business. It's still a job. Derek's going to, you know, finagle his way into the contract that he wants. So either way, we're going to see him up at the Jets or the Saints. And new to the quarterback carousel is Marcus Mariota and Carson Wentz. I was not surprised by these releases. I think it was probably mutual between both quarterbacks and both teams. And there's a couple different places I think they could land up. Um, I don't think we're going to see them as a starter necessarily. What about the Dolphins' backup? They were talking at the Combine that they're really looking for a strong backup because they do still believe in Tua and they want him to be the starter. But unfortunately, as much as I love Tua, he does have a very bad injury track record. So you do have to have somebody you can rely on. I could see either one of these players working with the Dolphins, but I could also see the Colts taking Mariota. Um, prior to the 2020 season, they actually wanted to trade for him and actually traded for Wentz instead, which obviously did not work out for them. I think Carson Wentz is having a very graceful fall from whatever throne he was on, but I think that's over. So I also look for Matt Ryan and Nick Foles to be released really soon. So you could see their names popping up in other places being interviewed by other people. So those are all the veteran quarterbacks that we've seen, but we do have some new quarterbacks coming to us who we're going to see taken in the draft. And Todd McShay thinks he knows a lot. And he said Bryce Young's height should scare all the general managers. And to that I say, Todd McShay, go sit down. I mean, what more does Bryce Young have to do to prove his worth and value? This kid got the Heisman. Did he get to the national championship? No. Could he have? Yes, with the right talent and the right coaching. And unfortunately, that wasn't presented to him. In the same breath that he made that statement, though, he said he's a smaller version of Patrick Mahomes. And we both or we all have seen what Patrick Mahomes has just done. I mean, people are comparing him to Tom Brady. So just because he's a smaller version of Patrick Mahomes doesn't mean he can't do what Patrick Mahomes is doing. I don't think so. I mean, look at Drew Brees. You have Russell Wilson. Now, Kyler Murray hasn't done much yet in the NFL, but they're the same size. And we did see all of his success. And I don't remember anybody talking about his size when he went in the draft.
And if you take the complete opposite of Bryce Young, look at Anthony Richardson and his size. He's, what, 6'5", 6'6", like 230. Okay, that's great. He's huge. He can see over the whole line. But look at his stats. What does he have behind his name to prove his worth? Not what Bryce has. So, yes, size matters, but I think there's more than that to it. So I hope that general managers are just kind of laughing at this remark, ignoring it, and moving on. So while the battle for who's going to be first continues between those two quarterbacks, I think we can take one name out of the race for going top pick in the draft, and that's Jalen Carter. So if you can remember, back in January, there was a fatal crash for the players of Georgia. They lost one player, Devin Wilcock, and an employee from the football team, Chandler LaCroix. And that was right after their championship parade. So that was really heavy on their hearts. But just this week, an arrest warrant was issued for Jalen Carter, and he was charged with reckless driving. Um, he was also charged with racing. So he was actually racing as, in his own Jeep against the SUV that the other two were in. He did turn himself in immediately. He left the combine, turned himself in, and he did post bond. And interestingly, he showed right back up at the combine. Now, he was not on the field participating, but he was on the sideline. I don't know how I feel about this situation. I know Jake had asked me, and the first thing I said was, I don't think anybody should draft him. And I say that because I think somebody needs to be used as an example. I feel like I see more and more of these bad decisions that are really affecting these kids' lives. They're kids. I mean, I know they're in their 20s. They're not that much younger than me, but they're kids. And that's what they're acting like. But they're making actions that are also affecting other people's lives. And I think we're seeing more and more of it because of these NIL deals. These kids are already getting paid millions. What more do they have to work for? They have all they want in their fingertips. So there's no drive, there's no motivation, and there's no feeling like they need to make right decisions. They think they're invincible and they're not. So at what point do we make this stop and use someone as an example of what not to do? Now, all that said, did he think the other car was going to crash and people were going to die? Obviously not. But you also know the consequences of your actions. And you know that is a consequence if you race a car. Things can go wrong and things can happen. So I'm not going to sit here on my high horse and say what needs to happen to him. I do think he needs to fall way down in the draft. I hope he learns his lesson. I hope we don't see any more stories about him. And I hope Georgia can find their way out of this post-national championship curse. It's not a new thing. It's happened with other teams, even Alabama. So I hope this is the last we hear out of this story or out of stories from Georgia in general. But that's all I have for you today. I'll see you next time. And as always, thank you so much for that wonderful content, Christy. It's also good to have you back from your short little vacation, as we could call it. 
So going off of that point in regards to Tom McShay and Christy telling him to go sit down, I mean, I know we're going to be biased because we're Alabama fans, but that does come with the question of, is Bryce too short? And I don't think he is. I know that people are going to say a lot of things, but where is it in regards to the performance of a quarterback if they have to be a certain height? I understand that most quarterbacks are going to be 6'2", 6'3", and you got Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert who are both 6'6", and then you've got Josh Allen who is you know 6'5", 6'6". So I understand that. But then you also have quarterbacks who are pretty short. I mean, Trace McSorley is pretty short, and I know someone's going to say, but wait, he's a backup. Kyler Murray's short. Drew Brees is pretty short. And I feel like people said stuff, but then they let their game speak for them. So that's kind of where my process is. I mean, we have the accolades for Bryce Young. You know, he has the great stats. He has a great arm. He's very athletic. But most importantly, he's a terrific leader. And I know that Tom McShay had mentioned how he makes Patrick Mahomes types throws. But he also reminds me a lot of prime Russell Wilson. You know, think about how Russell Wilson had that sneaky athleticism. I could see that with Bryce. You know, it's very similar with that. And here's the thing about Russell Wilson. He won a Super Bowl in his second year. I'm not saying that Bryce could do that. I would love to see Bryce do that. But I think it's important to know that with Bryce, it's okay if you're a little short. Now, I understand that, you know, nowadays in society, people are going to be mad about being a certain height and stuff. I know some people will say something about if they're 5'7 or something or if they're 5'9. That doesn't really matter, especially in the NFL. If you are a certain height, you're a certain height. If you can play, that's what matters. And Bryce can play. And I think that's really important to notice here. But here's the thing about Tom McShay. Tom McShay always does stuff like this. He will always find ways to make it seem like these players are, you know, not as good or that they're not fully capable of being the correct players in certain systems. If you put him in the right support system, he'll be fine. Now, D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico was not a very prototypical size for a linebacker. You know, he's six one and a half, and most people are going to say, well, shouldn't you be 6'2 or 6'3? You have other players, too, who were also, you know, 5'11 in the NFL who played linebacker. I think right now, if you put Bryce Young with that support system, he will end up being fine. But right now, this is just noise. You know, if a player is 5'10", if they're 5'11", just show how they perform. Now, I know that Bryce isn't going to be throwing at the combine, but let's also let this be a message to other players that you can still do anything you set your mind to, no matter what type of player you are. Bryce is a terrific leader. Bryce is the type of person you want running your offense. He did that at Alabama when he had Jameson Williams and John Mitchell. He also did that this year when he didn't have the star firepower. So I think it's very possible to show that Bryce Young can be that guy, but you have to give him a chance. Right now, Tom McShay is very close to saying, yeah, we should give up on him, and he hasn't even played it down yet. And finally, our focus shifts to college basketball. Now, with it being March, March Madness is coming, so get excited. But first and foremost, on a bit of more exciting news and more important news, Alabama basketball are the champions of the Southeastern Conference for the second time in three years. And I'm so excited and so proud of this team 
They did terrific, especially with all the adversity they've been facing recently, all the scrutiny that Brandon Miller's been facing. But with this team right now, they were able to defend their home court and pull out a win against Auburn. Now, it did take them going into overtime, but they did overcome a 17-point deficit and found a way to beat Auburn. And most importantly, an unlikely hero stepped up. Now, Alabama is known to have one of the youngest rosters in college basketball. But Javon Quinterly, that's right, Javon Quinterly, who has been in the program for the past couple of years, is the one who led the team in points and provided that spark. And without him, there's no way that we could have won this game or could have won the SEC. Now, a lot of people are excited about this because Javon Quinterly always finds a way to be really good in March when it matters. So if that can keep up, then Alabama has a really good shot of what may happen in the future for these next few games. But get excited about this. I cannot wait. Now, really with this, it was an emotional win for this team. You know, this was a team that very much needed this win. They have been facing a lot of scrutiny recently. And I feel like with this, you know, this is a team that still has a lot to prove. You know, Brandon Miller missed a lot of his shots. And then Mark Sears looked a little cold. But then they started figuring it out. And I think that's what made this team win so important because they all stuck together. They were figuring it out. And that's what matters too. I think this is why this Alabama team is so fun to watch. Now they do have one more game. And after that, they have the SEC tournament. Once the SEC tournament is over, we will figure out seeding. But right now, Alabama is set to be the number one seed in March Madness. We don't know which region they're going to be. But I know a lot of us are freaking out because we want to make sure that they're in a pretty good region, but not a really good region because we want to make sure that Alabama isn't struggling. Now, here's the thing about Alabama that makes me nervous. They have some slow starts. They had a slow start in this game against Auburn, and they've had that recently. They need to overcome these slow starts in order for them to continue to perform well and be a good team. They have the pieces. They have a terrific coach. Nate Oates has done terrific. He got the contract extension, but this team needs to find a way to avoid these slow starts in order to make it very far into the tournament and potentially have a shot at winning a national title in basketball. But that's going to do on this Friday episode of Jake's Take. As always, thank you so much for all the love and support. We couldn't have done it without y'all. As always, you can find this episode on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon, Apple Music. We're basically on all podcast platforms, and we will be back on Tuesday with another podcast episode, so get excited. Like we said, it's March, so get ready for March Madness. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, at Jake's Take Podcast, or my personal Instagram, Jake's 14 or my personal Twitter, at Sweet by Jake. You can follow Christy on Instagram and TikTok at Christy Marie underscore double zero. And as always, you can follow her on TikTok as well. And of course, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network. Be sure to check them out. We've got some exciting content coming in. And we just partnered with University Traditions. So be sure to check them out. I'll drop the code in as well for any potential merch advice if y'all want any or if you want a discount. 
but I'm so excited for all these partnerships. And as always, as always, thank you so much. We just reached 4,000 streams. I'm so excited for this. Y'all are the reason we are able to come in day in and day out and accomplish these goals. And as always, as always, thank you so much. Continue to be great. Be the best version of you you can be. Go on adventures. Make people happy. Make people smile. Be a light in this world. The world is still a very scary and somewhat uncertain place. And as always, we will see and hear from you all later. Take care.